Well, good morning. My name's Stephen. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. A person's name is to that person the sweetest, most important sound in any language. That was written by Dale Carnegie in his now famous book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. You know, many of us haven't been able to see friends and family, people who we love and that we value in the past year due to the pandemic. And so I want you to imagine something with me, something that may be easier to understand this year than it ever has been. And that's that you're going around your house just doing normal life, just living life when all of a sudden you hear the voice of somebody who you haven't seen in a long time call out your name. It's just their voice in your name. You haven't visually seen them. You had no expectation that they were coming. And then you hear it. What emotions would begin to go through you when you hear that? When we think about it that way, I think we could start to understand what was going through Mary's heart and mind that morning when she's there by the tomb and she goes there because she thinks that Jesus is dead and that she sees an empty tomb. And then she hears his voice. Her, her, her mind must have been on some emotional roller coaster. She went from extreme sadness to shock, to fear, to shock again, to joy at being in the presence of Jesus. The fact is that the followers and the friends of Jesus did not expect him to come back from the dead. I know that he told them that he was going to in verses like Mark 10:34, but the reality is that they were living this out. And they had just seen him not that long ago, hours, mere hours ago. They had seen him die a gruesome death. They hadn't they didn't even feel like they had fully buried him. They didn't expect him to walk out of any tomb at that time. The last thing was this. This was not the expectation. And then Jesus says her name and all of a sudden everything changed because Mary believed in the resurrection because she saw Jesus and she encountered Jesus. But why do we believe in the resurrection of Jesus? You know, there was a kid's teacher who was asking her class what Easter was. And one boy raised his hand. He's like, I know, I know. Easter is that day that my whole family comes together. and We have a turkey and we say what we're thankful for. Nope, nope, that's not it. The little girl was like, I know Easter is the day that we decorate the tree and we sing songs and we give gifts to each other. Still not it. And then a voice from the back comes out loud and clear. Easter, I know what it is. It's that day when Jesus was killed and, and his body was put in a tomb and he was left there for three days. And the teacher got really excited. Yes, yes, that's it. And... The boy continues and he says, and then everybody gathers at the tomb and they wait outside to see if Jesus comes out. And if he does come out and sees his shadow, then it's going to be winter for six more days. <laughs> but seriously, why do we believe in the resurrection of Jesus? You know, there are a lot of very intelligent people who don't believe in this. That's just a fact. So why do I believe in this? Here's a few things. You know, we all believe that Jesus died and that he died on a cross. That's been pretty much uh, solidified. So here's a non-exhaustive list of a few reasons why I believe in the resurrection. The first is that the resurrection wasn't the way that the people who reported it would have chosen. 
it made no sense for them to want him to be resurrected from the dead. He was worth more alive. And in Greek, Roman culture and religions and Jewish culture and religions, there wasn't a general understanding or expectation of resurrection, of coming back from the dead, especially when it, when it's related to a, a deity of any form. There were no religious wins to be had in this story. Another thing is that women would have been the last group of people chosen. Their statements weren't viable in court. Uh, they weren't credible witnesses in that time. And I know this is not fly at all in 2021. And Actually, I'm happy about that. But we're talking about 30 AD, and that was the reality. If you were going to get a credible witness, you would have had a nice Jewish man or a Roman citizen who could have nailed all of this down, so to speak. Here's my last reason for right now. The story wouldn't convince anyone at all unless the people who told this story actually saw Jesus. Unless they actually touched his body. They, they had meals with him. They went for walks with him. They had conversations with him. And unless that group of people kept growing in number until it was so large that it was hard to reject, that it was almost impossible to deny. Because when you hear 500 people telling a story, it matters a lot more than when you hear one. And all this is good, but why does the resurrection matter in 2021? You know, this past year has been so hard on so many people. Uh, a, a Pew Research poll from this past month said that 20% of people said that they were experiencing still a high level of psychological stress. A CDC report from last summer said that 10% of people had seriously contemplated suicide. That's a painful number, 10%. That 25% had reported having severe anxiety and depression attacks, 25% of people. I don't mention these stats to make us feel depressed, to make us feel bad. I, I say them because it's the reality of our world right now, of what we're living in. And in this type of a situation, in this world that we are in, why does Easter matter? You know, in the great children's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, there's this epic scene where Aslan, the, the creator, the king, the great lion of Narnia is killed. And Lucy and Susan, two girls, are, are off hidden in the bushes watching it all happen. And this is what the narrator says. I hope no one who reads this book has been quite as miserable as Susan and Lucy were that night. But if you have been, if you've been up all night and you've cried till you have no more tears left in you, you will know that there comes in the end a sort of quietness. And at last, Lucy noticed two things. One was that the sky on the east side of the hill was a little less dark than it had been an hour ago. The other was some movement going on in the grass at her feet. Why does the resurrection matter to us? Why does Easter matter to us in 2021? Life has been hard and epically so, I would say. And yet in the midst of it, Easter tells us that love is rising up. In the midst of all that has happened this year, love is rising up out of a pandemic, out of depression and anxiety, out of job loss and financial stresses, out of frustration, out of deep pain, out of the grave, love rises up. And friends, the good news 
is that love's name is Jesus. And I want to talk about the love of Jesus this morning. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we ask for your presence to come and to be here with us. I thank you for the good things that you have for us. And I just pray that in our homes, uh, in the spots where we're, we're watching, where we're listening right now, that we will be aware of your presence, that we will hear your voice call out to us loud and clear. We love you, Jesus. We're so grateful for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have a Bible, open up to 1 John 4, 9 through 19. That's where we're going to be at this morning. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, click on that Bible button below the chat or look it up on an app on your phone, Google it, whatever. I would just love for you to read along with me. We're going to be talking about the love of Jesus. So let's read this. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we may have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So let me clarify something for us as we begin. Jesus did not accidentally die on the cross. He chose that path. He knew what was coming. He said over and over again to his disciples that he was going to suffer and then die. The night before he was crucified, he was praying in the garden with some friends. And and he prayed that God would take away the cup of suffering. But if not, that he would still choose to go down this path. Jesus chose where he was going, and he kept walking towards the cross because he loves us. What is love this Easter? Love is sacrificial. We're loved by a sacrificial Savior, not a selfish Savior. He didn't come and die for himself. He didn't choose the easy path. He didn't choose a career path that gave him a good job, 2.5 kids and a white picket fence. He, it wasn't about him. It was about us the entire time. We needed him to sacrifice himself for us. Because we couldn't do it on our own. Because we are not perfect. We keep messing up. And I want to put a clearer word on this idea of mess ups. And that's sin. Sin is any act that breaks relationships. Either relationships between me and you. Between humans. Or relationships between us and God. And Eugene Peterson says that a refusal to deal with sin is a refusal to deal with relationships. G.K. Chesterton, uh, an author once famously said, what's wrong with the world? Dear sirs, in one word, me. We're not able to fix our world because we are unable to fix ourselves. This isn't about my unwillingness to change or to be better. This is about my inability to do it. Jesus went to the cross as a sacrifice, a willing sacrifice for us because we needed it, because we were unable to do it on our own, because we didn't have another answer to sin. Love is sacrificial. It costs something and it's worth something. And yet, out of a sacrifice, love begins to rise up. 
Verse 11, John, 1 John 4, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one's ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in him. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. What is love? Love is worth trusting in. Of all the days of Easter weekend, I feel like Saturday is the hardest because Saturday is silent and it's hard to trust in the midst of silence. Friday, we feel the pain. We wonder in amazement at the cross. Sunday, we feel joy and we wonder in amazement at an empty tomb. But Saturday, we're left wondering what's going on. Saturday is silent for us. You know, I went on a set, a seven day silent retreat about 10 years ago in Kentucky. Uh, and I thought that I was being kind of cool by doing it. And I honestly, I don't know that I expected it to be hard. I'm not sure what I expected, uh, but it was in the hills. It was really early summer. Uh, and it was beautiful. It was great. Long days, like perfect weather. It was really, really great. And it was this, uh, this monastery where uh, Thomas Merton, who was a spiritual writer uh, and monk, had lived. And so I thought it was like cool. It was like a pilgrimage sort of thing. Like I was really pumped up about it. And so I go. And let me tell you, two days of, of a silent retreat, easy for me. Three days, I'm gold. Like that's healthy for me. Seven days, pure torture. I had no idea what to do with myself. What am I supposed to pray about for seven days? What am I supposed to read? I didn't bring enough books. I read stuff too quickly because I had all this time. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. I, I, I can't watch Netflix because the Wi-Fi at the monastery is terrible. Uh, I can't sleep 16 to 20 hours a day. Like, what am I supposed to do? I, I was struggling after about day four uh, for the rest of the time. But here's the hardest part of it all, honestly, was that I walked away without having any like crazy spiritual encounters. But... I would do it all again. And here's why. Not because I enjoy being bored, not because I like silence all that much, but because in the silence, my awareness of Jesus is deepened in a powerful way. My busyness, my noisiness, it all gets pushed to the side. And I'm allowed in that space to begin, maybe a little painfully, but to begin to look for where Jesus is in the gaps. You know, we've lived a silent Saturday type of year, friends. You know, a year in the middle. In between the cross and the resurrection, a year of silence, of, of waiting, of wondering, why? Why is this happening? What is going on in this? What are the answers going to be? In a year like that, I think it matters a lot where we place our trust. Brennan Manning wrote that the most supreme need in our lives is often the most overlooked. The need for an uncompromising trust in the love of God. The most supreme need in our lives is the need for an uncompromising trust in God's love. 
We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. Friends, even in the silence, Jesus is there. We've been given a love that is worth trusting in. And I'm not asking you to trust in my love or somebody else's love. I'm offering you the love of a Savior who is worth trusting in, who will not let you down, who will not lie to you, who will not hurt you, who will treat you with respect and honor and dignity. A Savior who has sacrificed everything for you. Because out of the silence and sometimes pain, love rises up. 1 John 4 continues this way. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus is here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for a fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. What is love? Love is the ultimate destroyer of fear. One theologian said that the love of God literally flings all fear out the window. It expels all types of fears, any and all types, but especially a fear of being punished by God, a fear that God isn't good and that he's going to act in ways that aren't good towards us, a fear that God is going to react to the ways that we are not good and punish us in, in, in uh, painful and bad ways because of that, a fear of what's going to happen to us because we are not perfect. But friends, those types of thoughts cannot stand in the presence of the perfect love of God. Once you've experienced the presence of Jesus, the perfect love of Jesus, fear can no longer stand. Don't be afraid good things are happening is what Jesus said to the disciples when he saw them the first time. Don't be afraid good things are happening is what the angel said to Mary at that empty tomb. Don't be afraid good things are happening is what Jesus said to Mary uh, when he saw her in the garden. And to us today, Jesus says, do not be afraid good things are happening because through his love, Jesus has made it possible to live lives without fear because in the place of fear. Love rises up. But friends, what is Easter? Easter is the cross, the suffering and the death of Jesus that he took upon himself. Jesus understands our suffering because he himself has gone through suffering. Because out of the ultimate act of sacrifice, love rises up. Easter is the tomb where Jesus's body was laid. Silence was heard from God himself, hours upon hours mounted. Fear filled the disciples' hearts. And yet, in the place of silence, trust grows and love begins to rise up. Easter is the empty tomb. Death's hold broken. The debt of sin and brokenness paid once and for all for me, for you, for all of humanity. Where we once only had confidence that death was coming for all. Now we have confidence that life is available for all. Because fear and death have been destroyed. And out of those ruins, friends, love is rising up. But why does Easter matter to us here today? 
to Laura, a woman in our church, Easter mattered this year because as a single mom, when married couples and families hunkered down and friends couldn't meet physically, Jesus, having Jesus to talk to, to cry with and lean on was essential. He made extreme solitude more bearable. To Andrea, Easter mattered because Jesus gave her the courage to leave a job and to start a new one. Knowing Jesus helped her to manage her anxiety related to the pandemic. And during one of the darkest nights of this past year for her, when she was in bed just overwhelmed with anxiety, she prayed and she felt the presence of Jesus there with her. To Bob, Easter mattered because Jesus offered hope every time that he felt uh, anxiety, every time that he was struggling or in a bind. It helped him to overcome the waves in his life this past year. And Easter mattered every time that he was able to be in the presence of his family and to find joy. The question for us this morning is, does Easter matter to you? In the midst of one of the hardest and longest years that any of us have ever lived through, love still rises up. Suffering is not the end. Silence is not the end. Death is not the end. Love is and love never ends. I don't know why we're all here today. And honestly, I'm not sure that it matters why we are all here. But I do know that Jesus wants us to be here and that he has us here because he wants to say something personal to each and every one of our hearts. And that's this, that he loves us. Friends, I want to encourage you to hear the voice of Jesus saying to us this morning that I know you. I know your struggles. I know your pain, your loss, your frustrations, your loneliness. And yes, I know your joys. I know you. I created you. My love is for you. And I want you to know me. My love was sacrificed for you. My love is trustworthy. And my love is yours. And as a pastor here at the Vineyard, I just want to invite you to step out into a journey with Jesus and to do it as a part of our church. I believe that you're here this morning because Jesus has good things for you here in our church. And I don't say that lightly. And so I want to encourage you as we uh, go from this place today to not uh, walk away, but instead to dig in deeper, get involved, be a part of this community. It's a good place. We're a place where people will love you, where people will empower you, encourage you, where they will pour into you. We're not perfect, but that's what we have Jesus for. And so this morning, my question for you is simple. Do you hear Jesus calling to you? Maybe it's the first time you've ever heard him say your, your name. And his voice sounds new, but it sounds right. Maybe you've heard him call out your name before, but it's been a while and life has happened and you're you're ready to reorient, to reconnect, to refocus your life around Jesus. Wherever you're coming from, if you're saying yes to the call of Jesus this morning, then I want to pray with you right now. So if you will, just open up your hands. It's just a way of saying, Jesus, I'm here and I'm ready. And then pray along with me. Jesus, thank you for saying my name. Thank you for knowing me and for showing me love.
Today I accept your gift, a needed gift, because I know on my own I couldn't do it. On my own I couldn't make it possible. I need you. I've messed up over and over again, and so I thank you for your gift. Thank you for being safe and trustworthy. Thank you for for being a place where fear is not allowed, for taking my anxiety and giving me comfort and peace. Thank you for suffering and for dying for me. And thank you for not staying dead, but for coming back to life so that I can know true life, so that I can know you. And friends, I just want to invite you right now with me to simply just tell Jesus that you love him. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for being here with me right now. In Jesus' name, amen.